Alrighty, let's get this started. Welcome to the Touchdown Rundown, where we talk about the NFL. We are doing that on a rainy Friday afternoon in South Bend. Guys, Thursday football was a great matchup last night. It featured the 6-1 and one Packers. They went all the way to Arizona to take on the undefeated Cardinals. The Packers, well, they were a little bit short-staffed, all things considered. They were missing MVS, Lazard, Devontae Adams. You know, they're three top wide receivers. But who needs wide receivers, right? Oh, yeah, they were missing uh, Jair on defense, too. So they weren't exactly full-staffed. The Cardinals were the heavy favorite, but the upset-minded Packers had the lead 24-21 to and were driving the red zone. They were right at the end zone. They were just half a yard short. And they actually scored a touchdown only to be stopped by a touchdown call being overturned. It was actually kind of historically unprecedented because there was not great uh, video evidence to overturn the call, but the call was overturned despite the call on the field being made a touchdown. So it was a very interesting and I would argue controversial call. Um, the Cardinals then got the ball back because the Packers didn't opt to do a fourth down quarterback sneak and said, Instead, they said, we're going to try and get a little fancy. They went for a pass. The Cardinals broke it up and got the ball back. Uh, They had about two minutes and 30 seconds and drove the field like a team possessed, looking to win the game and remain undefeated. However, a miscommunication between wide receiver A.J. Green and quarterback Kyler Murray led to the Packers securing a game-winning interception in the end zone with 14 seconds left. (laughs) Talk about a nail-biter. I know Tony was shaking in his boots. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was able to take the kneel down, and the Packers now have the longest active winning streak in the NFL and arguably both the best record and the best win of the season. Tony, your Green Bay Packers are now 7-1 and one with their only loss being in week one in a weird loss to the Saints. You and I both agree should not really count. Uh, do you believe that you have the best team in the league in the uh, best? Uh, I absolutely do think we have the best team in the NFL. We beat the undefeated Cardinals without eight of our top 10 players, with our top three wide receivers, without our top two corners. We really were beat in every single way, but what a game. Uh, Aaron Jones definitely got in for that last touchdown. Nothing anyone ever says will ever convince me otherwise. Uh, if they would have called it down by contact before and they had simply upheld that, I would have been fine with it. But the fact that you overrule a touchdown means you have to have something definitive that absolutely proves that he was not in. And from every single camera angle they showed me, I didn't see that. Uh, I I absolutely thought, is it close? Yes, maybe the ball broke the plane. Maybe it didn't. But there was not one camera angle I saw that was uh, definite. He's down at the one. There's no way he got in. I just simply didn't see it. The fact that they overturned that means they must have thought they saw something. I saw nothing. Uh, The only thing that I did not like about the game was Matt LaFleur in the red zone. His red zone calling was abysmal and it always has been abysmal. I really truly wish that somebody would take the headset from him once they got into the red zone every single time. Cause he always tries to get fancy with it. Let's say Aaron Jones doesn't get in. That's fine. It's still what second down and maybe, maybe half a yard, something like that. Why wouldn't you just quarterback sneak it? I know Rogers isn't young anymore, we, but, you know, Packers have been absolutely owning them all night in the round, averaging five yards a carry. So why wouldn't you just, just let Rodgers dive for half a yard? You'll get it in. Why would you have to drop back four or five steps, try to give it to Aaron Jones? All that's going to do is give the edge rushers time to get around and stop him, which is exactly what happens. Then we have, you know, we had to pull some guys out for the practice squad receiver-wise. They, they didn't quite know the playbook. Um, then on third down, we took that delay of game, made it third and seven. From there, we tried to do a... Uh, from there, Rogers actually ran it up to about the one yard line. And then again, just sneak it in. Stop trying to drop back and pass it. Normally I'm all for the pass, but when you're that close, just QB sneak it. It's so easy. It's so underused by the Packers and it would save them so many points. So other than that, I thought we played a great game. We schemed for them so well. We really shocked the world. I, for one, thought we were going to lose. I didn't even think we were going to cover it really, but this is what you get for betting against Rogers, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I at least had them covering the spread because I hate ever betting against Aaron Rodgers, and I kind of was reminded why. On your note, um, on the officiating, Mike Pereira, the NFL and college football rules expert for Fox, he actually was kind of stunned by the call. So I feel like that backs up your opinion that, yeah, it's a really weird call. And, you know, I didn't like it. I disagreed with it. But, you know, the Packers were able to overcome it, luckily. Um. Yeah, so the Packers are really, really bad, I think, in terms of uh, their red zone ability. The red zone touchdown percentage ranks 22nd, which is um, one of the worst among 
the top five uh, offenses in the NFL, if you go by lineups.com, which really kind of speaks to what you were saying is, yeah, they don't know something happens to LaFleur. Like I know Stephen A had would pronounce his name like over-exaggerated. It'd be Lefle. And so I feel like Lefle makes an appearance uh, whenever they get into the red zone. And I know that's an absolute headbanger for you. Um, now on the flip side, the Cardinals, you know, not to sell them short, they, they were a little bit injured, right? They were missing Hopkins. Uh, they had the second best record in the NFC, but they do have that, you know, tiebreaker loss to the Packers. Um, assuming the Rams beat the Texans this week, those two will be tied for the NFC West, which with, of course, the Cardinals having the tiebreaker. Uh, do you think that like this is the end of the Cardinals run as the best team in the NFL and the Packers have kind of overtaken them? Uh, or, you know, is this just a one oddity week where, you know, the, the Cardinals really were missing personnel? Uh, I think that n- normally the Cardinals missing personnel against a standard team, you could absolutely say, oh, they lost this game, but they weren't at full strength. So, I mean, you can you can kind of give them that. It's actually the opposite for me. They were missing personnel but we were missing way more. Like it wasn't even close. Eight of our top 10 guys are hurt looking to come back. Hopefully soon. Adams, of course, the breaking news that he had COVID, he couldn't make the trip. Lazard was not vaccinated. And because he was a close contact, he had to be out. Uh, MVS Marquez Valdez Scantling, who is our best deep threat receiver was looking to potentially come back this week, but he still wasn't quite a hundred percent box. same thing. He should be back soon. Uh, Jair Alexander still in a sling, Kevin King still out. So we have a lot of guys that are out. Uh, I will say I am glad Kevin King was out. I would rather have Rasul Douglas than Kevin King. But other than him, we had way more injuries than the Cardinals did. I thought we were definitely out of this game. Uh, And that could be seen with how new these receivers were. Rodgers actually, his completion percentage last night was not very good, but it wasn't so much because he was off target. He was on target pretty much all night. He just had a lot of drops. It was really bad. The, there were some plays. Uh, I know there was one bad throw that did happen. Quote unquote, bad throw. It was supposed to be just a little check down behind the line of scrimmage uh, to Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers actually overran the route. He was up about two steps. Rogers put it in the right spot, but that's just, that's that new uh, receiver kind of working out the kinks. Like there's going to be moments like that that are going to cost them plays. Like the, he runs that play with Devonte Adams all the time. Devonte always catches that ball. He's always in the right spot. That's usually maybe five or six yards, five or six yards in a game of inches is humongous. So I do think that once we are healthy, we are the best team in the league and the only other team that I think can contend with us in terms of being a complete roster when fully healthy, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Yeah, I would give that to the Cowboys too, just because I really don't feel comfortable uh, with that Tampa Bay secondary, but let's go to young guys. Uh, it's specifically new to the roster. We saw Douglas, uh, the cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. He's only been playing with the Packers for three weeks. He played in week six against the Bears, week seven against the football team, and now he's played in week eight against the Cardinals. And he was the one who came up with that huge interception. Otherwise, he hasn't contributed a whole lot. You know, he is like kind of a, a second string, third string cornerback. Do you think he should start seeing some major refs uh, at the position now that he's kind of proved himself? Or you want to give it back over to the starters when they kind of come back from you know, the combination of, of health and sickness problems? I think I would honestly, after last night's performance, I don't want to say that I would ra- that I want to have him start. You know, one game, obviously, great game to have a good game in. He covered pretty well. Uh, up until that last pick, he hadn't really done a whole lot to really change the game. But he'd kept guys covered up pretty well. He did exactly what you would want uh, kind of a backup to do in that situation. And he really proved himself against a pretty elite receiving squad uh, throughout overall, especially after the addition of Zach Ertz. So I do think on that last pick, that was less that was less because his coverage was great. His coverage was good. It was there. A.J. Green obviously wasn't really going for the ball. Kyler Murray threw a bit of a bad ball, but his awareness right there to catch that ball and get both of his feet in and all that, that was phenomenal. So I do think that is a massive upside of him. Uh, And I do think that we keep him in. And if he stays, if he stays in and keeps performing like that, I would say that he becomes our corner two behind Jair Alexander. We take out Kevin King. And I do want to keep Stokes in there uh, in some, in some facet, because I do think that, uh, he's going to develop nicely and he needs more time. Obviously he got burned by Deandre Hopkins on that route. 
uh, early in the in the first quarter, I think it was. Uh, so that wasn't great. But other than that, Eric Stokes has been very, very reliable. So I think that's just, you know, a growing pain that's going to happen when you're going against when you're challenged to go against the number two receiver in the NFL in your very first year in one of your, you know, really, this is still one of his first games. So I do think that I would like to see those three, that combination uh, of those three corners on the field. Yeah, no, totally fair. I think to say the least, he's earned uh, a roster spot with that really big contribution. Um, let's move to our next our next segment. Um, so I would have said last night that the Cardinals were probably a lock to win just because I felt that the uh, the Packers were at such a disadvantage. You know, Hopkins was the main reason that I felt like, oh, maybe the Packers are going to cover this one. But I still I still felt like the Cardinals were a really good lock. Um, but I think that you know they kind of they've been knocked down a peg. So this is our the time that I'd like to debut a new segment it's a little segment called knock and lock the idea is that there's one team that we're going to knock we're going to say that they're going to play poorly in the week and maybe even play poorly and lose but they're a team that people kind of look at is good um, and then there's a lock that's a team that's just going to get a guaranteed win or we think is going to play above expectations tony why don't you kick off the first lock of the knock and locks Yeah, for sure. My first knock, I think I'm going to have to go with the, uh, or I guess the first lock I'm going to have to go with is going to be the, oh, I think we'll load here. There we go. It's going to have to be the Rams over the Texans. So this is kind of a boring one. I know like everybody's thinking Rams are going to be the Texans. Of course they are. They did. The Rams did underperform dramatically against the Lions last week. They still came away with the victory, but for a while there, it actually looked like it was going to be close, which in a game that was really shaping up to be a revenge game, uh, Matthew Stafford against his old team that was constantly wronging him and you know really taking him out of playoffs and blowing leads for him and all that. Uh, it was really surprising to see, but I do think that at the very worst, we might see that performance again where the Rams are suffering, Texans come out strong. Uh, they're still going to win, maybe not as much as they should win by, but I don't think so. I think that's worst case scenario. The most likely scenario is I think the Rams win by 30 or 40 here. Like this Texas team is just not good. Davis Mills has been a huge bright spot that hasn't really, nobody really expected him to be this good, but I do think that he's been really awesome. And I, as of right now, I take him over Trevor Lawrence, which is a huge uh, hot take that a lot of people don't like that. I say no. that, but but so far, he has statistically outperformed Trevor Lawrence, and I would take him. That being said, Rams are just too strong for this. Yeah, I don't disagree with that lock. Maybe I do agree, uh, disagree with Davis Mills over Lawrence, but that's for another episode, uh, a debate segment. My lock of the week is the New Orleans Saints against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tony's going to be surprised by this one because he, I know he's high on uh, the Saints winning this one, but I'm picking Tampa Bay as my lock to play better than people think they will. I know a lot of people have pointed out that Tampa Bay has secondary problems, but I actually kind of like Tampa Bay to win this one. Uh, I just simply because I've been unimpressed by the New Orleans Saints. They have a few good wins against the Packers, the Patriots, but I think Tony would probably chuck out that Packers win as being a, a one-off. Um, and I think the Patriots have played a little bit better now that Mac Jones has more time under his belt. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, on the other hand, they've kind of rolled through a lot of their games with their only loss being to the LA Rams, which is a very acceptable loss. Um, and I know Tampa Bay is the road team and they're a little bit understaffed, but I like Tampa Bay to beat the 4.5 spread because I think that that, uh, that front seven, one of the best in football is going to be able to pressure the saints and force James into making some poor decisions. I, and I don't think that the, four, uh, the saints are able to deal with that. They played really poorly against the Seattle Seahawks offensively speaking. And I know there was rain, but still that's not really a huge excuse because the Colts were able to put up a really good performance in probably worse conditions against the 49ers. Yeah, I'd absolutely say they were worse conditions, and they they definitely did better. Huh? All right, uh, why don't you tell us what your my not okay? So in my original notes, I did have a different one than I'm going to say. Originally, I said the Jets against the Bengals, but I think that one's too obvious. And I actually found another one that I quite like. My knock of the week this week is going to be Eagles. Lions. And I think the Eagles are going to be my knock because I do believe in Dan Campbell. I like the Lions this year. I really do. They have not won a game yet. Of course, there is that. But they've been close. And if it wasn't for an NFL record field goal, and they almost had the Rams in the ropes there for a little bit, I think that this team is chomping at the bit. Absolutely. 49ers as well. 
this team is ready to get a win. Dan Campbell has been awesome. He is making it so all of his players would do anything for him. He was a bit of a meme, a bit of a joke coming into the season saying he was going to you know bite the kneecaps of the opponents, but it seems like that's actually kind of something he's going for. He's been so unorthodox. It's so hard to scheme against him. And as we saw in the Packers Cardinals game, it matters less about your players and more about your scheme. It seems like, cause you know, the Cardinals were the better team. 10 out of 10 times, the Cardinals were the better team yesterday over the Packers. But the Packers schemed for it better, which means in a game like this where the lions, maybe they're not quite as talented or as good of a team as the Eagles. Uh, which honestly is debatable. I do think that the Lions are getting to the point where their coaching staff is starting to scheme well. That showed against the Rams, and they're going to be able to take that up a notch and be able to beat up on the Eagles a little bit. Yeah, the Lions are a fun team, and you know, you said that the you know the Lions players might be willing to do anything for Dan Campbell. I think I'd be willing to do anything for Dan Campbell. If I saw a brick wall and he gave me a speech that would fire me up, I might run through that brick wall. Uh, now, my knock of the week is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel like this is a prime trap game. Uh, Kansas City has a 9.5 spread. That's huge considering how bad the Chiefs are. I want to read you some of these stats. So uh, in the red zone, the Chiefs have allowed 19 red zone touchdowns. That ranks 31st in the NFL. Uh, They're allowing red zone touchdowns at a 73.1%. That's 28th. Um, and then in first uh, first downs, they rank 28th, and then third down conversions, they rank 30th, as well as fourth down conversions. Uh, they're 28th in pass yards, despite having only uh, the 18th mark in passing attempts. Uh, and it's a similar story with rushing yards. They're they 27th in rushing yards against, uh, despite being the 23rd rushing attempt team. We just saw the Giants put up a pretty good performance against the Panthers. I know the Panthers are short staffed, so that result of 25 to 3 is a little bit lopsided. And that defense did not get help from the Panthers' offense. That's a rant for another time. Um, but I think the Giants are actually kind of primed to, to cover the spread at the very least, if not make this a competitive game. I'm fairly surprised by that spread just because how limited the Chiefs offense is because of turnovers. I know they dominate a lot of other categories, but the turnovers are bad. And the Giants, they don't actually give up a whole lot of turnovers. Daniel Jones has improved his turnover ratio incredibly. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he's improved a lot. So I think that the Giants might be able to exploit a really bad Chiefs defense. That was actually going to be the one that I picked. If you hadn't picked it, I, I wanted to pick some different games so we didn't have too boring of a show here. But I absolutely agree. The Giants are, are as odd as this sounds in the offseason, if you would have told me that I genuinely believe the Giants have a shot to beat the Chiefs in this game. I would have thought you were crazy, but looking at this game right now, picking a team, we just did another show, uh, NFL Kickoff on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Uh, for the sports 2.0 network where we picked all of the games that we thought. And I said that chiefs giants, I picked the chiefs to win, but it was the most uncomfortable pick of any game that I had this week, simply because the chiefs are that bad. The giants aren't good. The chiefs are just awful. And Patrick Mahomes has shown that he kind of feels like he has to win this game because he knows the defense is going to blow it. He knows he has to score 35 because the defense is going to allow 34. So because of that, it's resulted in a lot of very, plays that he that usually we could see him make because he hasn't before he hasn't had to make these big throws with too much pressure it's usually when they're up by like you know seven or 14 he's kind of messing around he's comfortable back there now it's usually when he's down two or three touchdowns he has to make these balls complete and i think it's getting on him it's getting to him a little bit he's a little nervous when he's making these throws they're not quite as accurate as they normally have been and defenses are also starting to scheme for him properly I think that the Chiefs are going to start to struggle and be exposed by teams that absolutely should not be them just because this defense is so bad. Yeah, no, 100%. The, the Chiefs are letting teams get back into games. I remember there was a stat earlier in the year. I don't know if it's true anymore. Uh, but the greatest show on turf, one of the arguably best offenses by a yards per attempt metric, they average seven yards uh, per play. The Chiefs are allowing people to average 7.1 yards per play, so they are turning uh, other teams into Patrick Mahomes and then not actually having a full-strength Patrick Mahomes. I do want to run this by you, Tony. He's looked different going back and watching some of these games. Like, I, Do you think turf toe has kind of stuck with him? Because he does not look nearly as mobile. I think that that could be something, too, that we're not really paying as much attention to because the interceptions are a little bit newsier, right? Like, you can, I don't think you can quantify the damage that turf toe has done, but at the same time, I do think it's impacting how he plays. 
Uh, I mean, maybe it's kind of stuck with him a little bit. I would think that he's kind of mostly gotten over that. I just think it's such a combination of a couple of things on the field and off the field. Uh, on the field, obviously, defense has been so bad. The offense hasn't really been clicking. Uh, Tyreek Hill has been dropping quite a lot of balls, and that's been something that has not been talked about. Tyreek Hill in the past couple weeks has let th- two, at least two go through his hands that have resulted in interceptions that have been big game turners. So Tyreek Hill's fallen off. Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey. He's been doing great. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has gone down, so they don't really have a run game at all from the little they used to have. Uh, So this offense has become somehow even more one-dimensional. Everybody knows they're going to pass, so they're not going to load the box anymore and try to even block the run or anything, and he hasn't hasn't been running this year uh, nearly as much, so there's no real reason to. They're only rushing three or four, and they're dropping everybody else back. They're starting to scheme for Mahomes, and once one team beats him, Everybody now knows the blueprint, and we're starting to see that prove true once again. So off the field, you know, that's the on the field stuff. Off the field, there's obviously been a lot of controversy with uh, Jackson Mahomes, his brother, his fiance. I know Travis Kelsey's uh, fiance or wife or girlfriend, one of the three, has also been all on the social media stuff. I got to imagine that's kind of in the back of your mind. Like, there's no way you could just totally push that off. So I think that might be part of it too. It's just he constantly has to know what am I going to have to deal with after this game that they posted on social media. And that's just, it's just one more thing that he has to worry about. I don't know if I'd chalk that up to the reason uh, that we've seen a dip in play, although I'm, I'm certain that doesn't help uh, in any means. I do want to go back to Tyree kill Tyree kill in uh, the last season in 2020 in the regular season in 15 games had five drop passes. Uh, he now has five on the season, and they've obviously only played half the season. His drop percentage has gone from, in the past, where he only had one season of a 4% or higher drop percentage. He now has a drop percentage of seven. He has two interceptions thrown uh, when when he's being targeted. That's up from one last year. Uh, so yeah, I think that that is definitely something to see too, is that when you're one of your best weapons isn't firing you know, on all cylinders, that's a fairly large problem. Uh, but let's let's kick it over to our next segment now. Uh, it's the Touchdown Rundown Showdown. Uh, Tony, what's today's topic? Today's topic is we're debating on who should be the starter for the Niners right now, Jimmy G or Trey Lance. I am taking the position of Jimmy G, and Zwiller will be taking the position of Trey Lance. Yeah, I don't like my position, <laughs> to be honest. I know... Uh, you picked Jimmy G. I want to. I, I did pick Jimmy. I picked Jimmy G with yeah. the intent because I knew you liked Lance more than I did in general. So I was I was trying to throw you something. And honestly, before I looked at any of this stuff, I had no idea stats wise how Jimmy G was doing, how Lance was doing, whatever. So this was actually pretty fair. I think I just got the lucky draw. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd say fair, but all right. Uh, all right. Let, why don't you make your case first? Okay. So my case for who should start, I'm going to take Jimmy G because he was a starter in 2019 when the Niners obviously went to the Super Bowl. It was easily the best year of his young career. He looked pretty good overall. Not, you know, nothing spectacular, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 3,693 yards, 68.5 completion percentage. None of that's bad. Uh, That season, it ranked pretty high. There wasn't a whole lot of passing touchdowns that year for whatever reason. And honestly, it's pretty good considering also how run first that team was and still is when it's possible. I like him to start again. He was hurt last year, so we can't really take his stats into account that much. It takes a while to get back into these games after being out for a full year with a major injury. Having lost some major pieces since that 2019 team as well has also not boded well for him. So far, he hasn't been great uh, for sure. I'm not going to argue that he's been, you know, in the MVP conversation this year. But I think if anything, this team, it's not built for a ring. So why would you try to push your rookie future quarterback out so soon? Jimmy could be a great mentor for Lance, really help him in developing and just kind of let let Lance observe uh, Jimmy G while he starts slowly let Lance kind of learn from Garoppolo's decisions. Uh, he's going to be a great mentor. He learned from Tom Brady, of course, who's mentally and preparationally, I think one of the greats of all time. So, while Jimmy might kind of start slow and he's not going to be, he's not going to be your future. He's nothing special. I do think he's good enough to kind of get by now until this team rebuilds into maybe a Super Bowl caliber team again. Kittle, of course, he's already on IR. The defense has been good, but the offense isn't really there. And I don't think Lance is going to have a chance to change that. So he's looked good when he's gone out. Uh, 
but don't push him out too fast to kind of spook him. We're seeing with fields that if you push a guy out too fast without any help around him and no real mentor, he's more often than not going to fail, which is of course going to be bad for the team. Horrible for the guy's confidence. If Jimmy G continues to be underwhelming from his 2019 self, then start Lance maybe next year, but not this year. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's not a, not a bad argument at all. It's kind of where I thought you'd go was uh, using the argument of, Hey, they made it to a super bowl. So that they, you know, why would you change that recipe? Uh, my reason as to why you would change that recipe is because when they went to the Super Bowl, uh, that 49ers defense was a lot better than it is right now. Uh, in that Super Bowl year, they ranked eighth in points against and second in yards against. Right now, they do rank in sixth in yards against, but they rank 21st in points against. That's a big difference. So the defense is not going to be as good as it was. And I think that Jimmy G genuinely does need a, you know, an incredibly strong defense to kind of help support him. Same with the run game. And the run game has not been there this season. I think for Jimmy G, conditions kind of need to be ideal for him to do better. He's he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong. But I think if you're going to use the wins argument, I don't think wins are a quarterback stat. I really don't because, you know, there's so much that goes on the field that, you know, wins is kind of, I think wins is almost like a pitcher's, you know, you can't tell what pitcher in baseball is an elite pitcher based on, uh, you know, how well he's doing in a game, you know, his, what his win loss record are, you know, you have to look at beyond metrics beyond that. And I think if you look at the metrics beyond that, Jimmy G is not actually that good. Um, he, he's playing fairly poorly. Even, uh, his bad throw percentage is higher than it was in that Super Bowl year. Uh, in the, his last two games, it was 18.5% and 13.6%. In fact, it's been only increasing over the course of the season as opposed to getting better. Um, he's he's taking a lot of sacks. He has eight sacks through five games, which is I think is problematic. And uh, his intended air yards, uh, it's not it's not a great number, I don't think. Um, I, I'm just not impressed with Jimmy G. And I think that because you don't have the same caliber of offensive line or a run game or a defense, you need to put Trey Lance in because he can do more with the football. He can work in the scheme better for Kyle Shanahan. I think that's the whole reason Kyle Shanahan drafted him, right? It's the upside. It's the ability. It's the fact that he can be, you know, one of these Kyler Murray's or Lamar Jackson's a mobile quarterback who can throw and kill you with both his arm and his legs. And I don't think Jimmy G provides that. I think Jimmy G is keeping this offense very one dimensional. And I don't think he's going to win you a whole lot of games. I know you're saying, this roster isn't competitive. Why push out a quarterback into a season when you can kind of just say the season doesn't matter. But I think at some point you need to just say, if Jimmy G isn't the future, let's start getting reps for Lance. Because I, the argument I made when you drafted Lance was that, hey, Jimmy G is a good quarterback. He can keep you competitive. Uh, if he can't keep you competitive, why are you keeping him on your roster? Maybe you can try and trade him. Maybe uh, you know you start Lance now and then you cut Jimmy G. If you cut him next in the offseason, he does not have any money against for the cap. So I don't see a reason to keep Jimmy G around for much longer. Yeah, I absolutely agree that Jimmy G is not your your quarterback of the future. I don't think that, you know, two, three years from now, you we have this, you know, discussion even of is Jimmy G going to start over Lance? I think it's clearly going to be Lance sooner or later, sooner being maybe next year, later being in the next, you know, two or three years. But I do think that, as of right now, for the rest of the remainder of this season, this roster, whether or not you put Jimmy G or Trey Lance on it, is not going to go very deep into the playoffs. And with that in mind, they might not even make the playoffs, honestly, in the division that they're in. With yeah. that in mind, why would you why would you risk injuring and nailing down the confidence of your future guy when he's young? He's obviously had a little bit. You know, he's had six or seven weeks now where he can kind of sit behind Jimmy G and learn a little bit. So that's been great, but keep doing that. Let that go for the whole season. Really polish him up. Do like uh, Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, Alex, Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith. That team wasn't going to go anywhere. So why did they, why would you start Patrick Mahomes? You don't, you let him sit behind Alex Smith. Who's a great mentor. I think Jimmy G's more of the same thing. You just let him learn. Then when you finally put him on the field, he's going to be just so much better, and he's not going to have to go through those mistakes himself. He's going to have a groundwork where he learned from the previous guy. So that's why I think for the remainder of this year, you let Garoppolo go out there. doesn't matter how bad the season goes because you know that you have this guy in your back pocket for next year. This is almost like this isn't even like a rebuild year. This team's not bad. They're just not going to go anywhere. So there's no reason to push your rookie out early. 
one of the biggest knocks against Shanahan has been his inability to develop talent. And I think that this is one of those instances where it's time to develop talent. If you know Jimmy G isn't your future, why waste the reps on him? I would say you pull him, put Lance in, and try to keep Jimmy's stock as high as possible for when you do inevitably trade him. So you can trade him, or if you have to cut him, then you can cut him, and it doesn't matter. Uh, I I think you just you need to put Lance in to develop Lance. Like, let's find out what they have in Lance. I think that you know he didn't look horrible in the the game he started, and then obviously like the, the half game that he uh, he played in. Apparently, the model has him as only a forty two point nine percent point passer. But it also has him as a 54.45 rusher. So he's a very good rusher. On 27 attempts, he has 133 yards. He does have a touchdown. Um, you know, he's just a very, I would say he he can bring a different dimension to that offense that they currently don't have. Jimmy G has 17 rushing attempts. He's had more games to get those attempts, and he's only accrued 26 yards. He does have a rushing touchdown, but that's a goal line quarter. Uh, a goal line quarterback sneak. So it's just not actually this. It's not the same as Trey Lance and what Trey Lance is doing. So. Yeah, absolutely. There is that. But to that effect, this is the guy of your future. You absolutely know that this is going to be the guy that you start hopefully 10 years down the road from now. So why would you put him in with, for no real benefit when you know he's going to be more of a rusher than a passer? All that can really do for this team, team perspective, is injure him. That's all it can really do. Because maybe you put him in, maybe he's as good as Garoppolo in the end. So far, he hasn't really shown that so far obviously our sample size hasn't been there so we can't really tell that but he's probably going to run more than he passes and when he does pass his his ceiling as of right now is about jimmy g so pretty much you would just be getting you could either have jimmy g that you don't really need next year hopefully you're going to start this new rookie or you can put in jimmy g 2.0 right now that's hopefully going to develop to be better than him and just let him run around and hope he doesn't get hurt but he very well might that if you have a major injury running around like that we've seen that that can alter the entire career of some quarterbacks some greats that were on track to be awesome they take a big hit they have a major injury they come back they're just never the same why would you risk that on a team that's not going to go anywhere deep uh, my counter to that would be to use a historical example. So Lamar Jackson in his rookie season, he sat behind Joe Flacco. The team wasn't that great. Uh, Lamar was put in to start the last seven games of the regular season. And in that span, they went six and one and they were actually able to sneak into the playoffs. They were a first round exit against the Chargers, I believe. Um, and they kind of really did shut him down. But that was, you know, as Lamar is getting a feel for the league. And I think that's the best example because if you can get a quarterback in, he may be young, he may make some mistakes. But if you can get a quarterback in and sneak into the playoffs and get him some real experience, I mean, look what happened to Lamar. The next season, he was the unanimous MVP of the league. And if you believe that this guy is your franchise quarterback like the Ravens did Lamar, why not shoot your shot and see if you can't get him experience, find a way to get in the playoffs, and then have him primed or ready to come in, in the season so he, uh, next season so he doesn't have a steep learning curve or you know need multiple games to adjust. So now you have two seasons that you're – have a losing record at this point in the season uh, and, you know, two lost seasons. Yeah, of course. If you want to use the historical examples, then yes, you can absolutely look to, uh, look to like Lamar Jackson as coming in, you know, this is his first year. He's going to absolutely light up the league, whatever he does. Great. But then you want to look at other historical examples. There's a lot more guys that start too early and bust than guys that start you know, right in their first year and absolutely go pop off into amazing. If we look at, uh, historically speaking, some of the guys that have been drafted and then immediately started week one, fresh out of college, which granted this would be a little bit different because we're in week eight or nine. It's not that bad. It's not going to be that different though. Matthew Stafford, 2009, he threw for 200 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Mentally, that is huge on a quarterback. Now, obviously he came back and he became great, but that's not something that you want to have. Like, if that's if we know how great Matthew Stafford is, we can hope that Lance is going to be that great. If that's how he's going to start, he's really just going to be a huge detriment to this team. So why would you throw him out there? Why would you not just let him learn for a little bit? That's all I'm saying. Start him next year, 100%. But this year, there's no reason to. Let's say it is a Lamar Jackson case where you start him in the last seven games, the team goes 6-1, and one, sneaks into the playoffs. Okay, cool. Then they exit the first round. What was the point if you're not going to make it? 
I mean, the point was that they made the playoffs and it got, it got Lamar looks that made him into a better quarterback. Like that Chargers defense played Lamar in a way that nobody had in the regular season and it really challenged him. And I think he actually improved because of that game, even if they took the short term loss. Um, but let's move on. You guys let us know who won in the comments. Uh, you know, if you're, if you can, we'll, we'll make a Twitter poll that you guys can go check out and vote. Uh, touchdown rundown. It's T. D-R-D, uh, W-V-F-I. You can find us there. We'll put out that poll shortly after the episode finishes. But let's move to div- some divisional drama. So we have a lot of key divisional matchups co- going into this week, uh, namely Titans, Colts, and Buccaneers, Saints. We're, we want to break down these matches and look at them with a little bit more of a closer lens. Tony, why don't you kick us off with the, the one I really don't want to talk of course, the one you don't want to talk about, Panthers at Falcons. After the absolute routing that the Panthers took last week from a an injured Giants team. I expected the Panthers to win. Didn't shake out right. I would like Atlanta here this week. Atlanta's coming off of a narrow win over the Dolphins. And after last week's performance, I have no longer, I no longer have any faith in the Panthers. And on top of that, Pitts is actually starting to look like he's heating up a little bit. The Falcons are trying to figure out how to get, get him more involved in the offense. And they're starting to do a pretty decent job. So I think now that the Falcons have Kyle Pitts kind of cooking a little bit, I don't think he's going to be like the next Julio Jones or anything, but he's a pretty good big, guy replacement to have instead so i think that you can start to watch out for this falcons offense and this panthers team's just not going to be able to get yeah i don't disagree with your analysis of the uh, of the five examples we're going to talk about that are divisional matchups this one is probably the least important the falcons are three and three the panthers are three and four i don't think either one realistically expects to compete for a playoff spot but as you said that falcons offense is looking a lot better if they get a win here they're four and three Maybe they do have a chance to sneak into a wild card spot. I think that might be a little bit tough to do, uh, considering the fact that I don't think they're that good. But with the 49ers really fading, I think that they do have a shot at maybe getting that seventh wild card spot. It would really probably come down to them and the Bears. I'm going to assume that uh, uh, the Saints would take probably the sixth wild card spot, and the fifth would probably at this point go to either the Cardinals or the Rams. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the stakes are kind of minimal. For this one, and I absolutely agree with your analysis. I, I hate to be a Panthers fan right now. Uh, the Giants just rolled us. There's not really an excuse for that one. And I have a feeling that... Here's the thing. I still like the Panthers. I still like our defense. I think our defense was really hamstrung. We were missing Shaq Thompson, most notably, last weekend. So I'm going to take the Panthers because I think that the Panthers will be the best defense the Falcons have played during this stretch where they've been winning a lot of games. And not that the Falcons have a... A horrible defense. I think it has improved slightly from last year. Um, I think Sam Darnold maybe gets a little bit of rhythm back. It might. It probably is more like a flash in the pan than really long-term sustainable, but because the Falcons' defense is so bad, I think I like the Panthers here because I think they have a matchup that's favorable uh, in terms of their defense being able to kind of limit the, the Falcons' offense. Yeah, uh, we shall see. I I, I'm not super confident in the Panthers. I do think that they, they're injured. Obviously, CMC's being out is so huge for them. It makes this team so much more one-dimensional and easy to kind of go for. I will say the Falcons' defense has gotten slightly better. It's not like they could have gotten any worse. So, I mean, there is that, I guess, that slight upside to the team. But I do agree... The Falcons' defense is not anything special. And if Sam Darnold really shows up like he was kind of at the beginning of the season, this is going to be... All right, let's move to a matchup that is probably a little bit more significant than uh, Panthers-Falcons. Uh, it's Dolphins-Bills, which is not to say that the Dolphins are a very good team. Uh, they currently are 1-6, in six, so they're, they're actually in last place in the division. If you had the Jets being better than the Dolphins, congrats to you, because I know I sure didn't. But this one does matter, not for the Miami Dolphins, but more for the Buffalo Bills. They're currently 4-2, and two, but the Patriots aren't far behind at 3-4. Uh, and four. I believe they have both of those divisional matchups still ahead for the Patriots and the Bills. So this one could be one that maybe the Dolphins trip up the Bills here and enable the Patriots to have a chance at at getting back into the division. Uh, Tony, I'm assuming you're taking the Bills here, but at that 14-point spread, do you feel comfortable taking the Bills to beat? Uh, Honestly, when I first looked at it, I was like, wow, 14 points. That is a humongous spread. But kind of looking at the teams involved, the Dolphins have been, other than the Washington football team, I think the Dolphins have been the most underwhelming team this year. I thought they'd be a lot better and develop a lot quicker than they have. They've regressed in pretty much every major category. So I think that not only the Bills, should the Bills win, uh, I know they're really good, but I think they beat that spread as well. I kind of want to take the Bills to cover it because Dolphins narrowly lost to the Falcons. 
They lost by two or three, whatever it was. I forget exactly what it was. The Bills are certainly going to be good for 14 points better than that Falcons team. So I think unless the Bills come out super slow, the first couple drives go immediately three and out. If they can start cooking immediately, which this team has the full potential to do, I think they I think that um, I'm actually going to take the Dolphins to cover here because that spread is so large. I think that I like Tua a lot. I think he's been, you know, he's obviously been banged up. And when the Bills beat the Dolphins 35 to 0, Tua was injured very early on in the first quarter, if not the opening drive for the Dolphins. So I think that Tua's looked pretty good. If he can limit the interceptions, that Falcons game is a very different game. And so I think he's going to have the chance to do that against the Bills to really come up, come in and show out. So I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover, even if I don't feel super great about it. Um, the next one, it's the Steelers at the Browns in the AFC North, which is probably one of the tightest divisions in football. Uh, no team actually has a losing record in this division, which I think is, is the only division that can say that. Um, I, I thought the NFC West might have been a little bit of a more brutal division, um, but I, I stand corrected, and it's definitely the AFC North. The Bengals are sitting at 5-2, and two, the Ravens at 5-2, and two, the Browns at 4-3, and three, and, the, and the Steelers at 3-3. Three and three. Uh, this is one that really is just two teams trying to avoid being in the, the basement of their division. Tony, who do you like here to get this one to kind of launch themselves back into the AFC North playoff picture? I want the Browns, and I don't care who's playing. So we've kind of sh- we kind of saw from last week that the Browns are very injured. Everybody ruled them out to lose that game. And then they had some random guy that nobody had ever heard of, Darius Johnson, come out and absolutely light up the field. It was amazing, and it actually kind of gave everybody the idea of originally everybody thought, oh yeah, the Browns have the best two-headed monster running back in the league. Now they have the best three-headed running back monster in the league. And uh, it's not even close. I don't think I can think of another team that has three guys that are that good and can put up that stat line on any given Sunday. So even, uh, I know it has been confirmed that Baker will play. Uh, I don't know about, uh, I can't remember, is, is Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt on IR? I know the other one is not on IR. I believe they're uh, both questionable for the game. They're both questionable for the game. So even if neither of them play, I still like the Browns here. I don't believe in the Steelers. Sure, they're not terrible, but I think that this Browns team proved a lot of people wrong, including myself. So I think they can get it done even when they're hurt. Yeah, I mean, when we were writing this, we didn't know if Baker would be able to play or not because it was just announced actually during our our live stream on NFL kickoff that, that Baker would be able to play. And I actually was going to take the Browns only if Baker Mayfield was healthy. If it was Case Keenum, I think that the Steelers' defense would have been able to beat him. You know, we, I had pegged that Broncos' defense as being an elite top five defense coming into the season. Definitely wrong on that one. It's not a take that's going to age well. Where's the Steelers' that makes defense? two of us. No, yeah, I mean, they look really good on paper, and I really don't know how to explain what's going on beyond, you know, uh, I guess injury and just their rookies aren't playing up to expectations. Um, but I mean, just look at Geno Smith. Like the Steelers ate his soul practically like he looked he looked devastated in that overtime loss uh to them and then did not perform well against the saints um yeah so i was going to take the steelers if they had decided to to rest baker but since he's in i'm gonna ride with the browns i do like them a fair a fair bit i am worried about that defense and if baker is kind of limited in his throwing arm if they have to run a lot that is going to be a problem because again the steelers have such a good defense all right, let's move to the AFC South, where this one is a battle between the top two teams. Um, it's the Tennessee Titans, of course, five and two. The Indianapolis Colts at three and four. The Colts are the home team, and the Titans already have a head-to-head win. Uh, they won earlier in the season at home against the Colts. I know the Colts are favored in this one by Vegas, and we both found that one to be a really interesting pick. Are you going to ride with Vegas, or are you going to go with Derek? I can't ever bet against Derrick Henry. That's just that's a football crime right there. I think the Colts are they're pretty good, but the Titans' offense is just too strong. And now that Julio and AJ Brown are starting to get into it with Ryan Tannehill, it's going to be a better team. I know coming into the season, we kind of predicted two head monster Ryan Tannehill throwing to Julio Jones and AJ Brown with Derrick Henry in the backfield is going to be a recipe for disaster for NFL defenses around the league. I think the Colts are going to be the first team that we really see that click, and they're going to. Yeah, I mean, on that note, the 
the Tennessee Titans have not played to where I thought they would. Now, they did play really well against uh, the Chiefs. <laughs> Derrick Henry <laughs> had one more uh, passing touchdown than Patrick Mahomes did. If you had that, congratulations. I hope you won like a small country somewhere or something for taking that wager. Uh, but yeah, I think the Titans uh, offense is really going to click. I just don't know if it's going to be against this in this game because I do like the Colts defense a fair bit. I am going to ride with Tennessee because Tennessee, I think their defense really stepped up against the chiefs. I kind of, I think it'll be able to step up against the Colts and Derrick Henry is going to be able to really play well against this Colts defense. I just don't know if the passing game is going to be there because we've seen Ryan Tannehill regress so much. So I expect this one to be a bit more of a lean on uh, Derrick Henry, just because the Colts defense is going to be good. Uh, All right, let's move to our last one. It's Buccaneers Saints. Tony, I know we talked about this one on NFL kickoff. You have the Saints. Do you want to tell people why you have? I have the Saints, and I'm actually fairly comfortable with it. Jameis, this year, I thought he would look a lot more lights out. We both predicted, you know, a year behind Drew Brees. He's going to be so much better with his decision making. He's not quite there yet. But the Bucks' defense has been pretty poor against the pass. They actually rank in the bottom five in every major category, pass attempts, pass completions, pass yards, uh, all that. So Jameis should have a pretty good day through the air. And I do think that while the Bucks' offense is, of course, great, the Saints' defense is number two in the league according to lineups. Uh, so I kind of like the Saints here. Yes, the Bucks just rolled the Bears. Uh, I know for some reason quite a few people are saying that the Bucks rolling over the Bears kind of prove that they are the team to beat almost. And I guess, yes, the Bears did have a pretty good defense up until this point. But to me, it's kind of like the Patriots rolling the Jets. It doesn't really matter. Who cares? The Bears are terrible, kind of expected. I guess my my takeaway from the Bears game was not that like it made I didn't think the Bears were going to be that good this season. It's not like it made the Buccaneers Super Bowl favorites when they were suddenly uh, not a Super Bowl playoff team. I I have them winning the NFC South. I still feel very comfortable with that prediction. My takeaway was that the Buccaneers' offense, while injured, can still wreak havoc on teams. So I feel pretty comfortable taking a limited Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense against the Saints defense. I know you said that the Saints was ranked number two, uh, but the Bears aren't a bad defense by any means. They're actually a fairly decent defense, I'd say, a little bit above average maybe. So I feel like they can perform well against the Saints. And the number two, I really like their defense because I know that they struggle against the pass, but they pretty much eliminate the run. And we saw the Saints running a fair bit against the Seattle Seahawks. I know that was weather dependent, but again, it's going to be like they can make... They are going to force Jameis Winston to beat them with his arm. And like you said, that's not there yet. So I feel really comfortable taking Tampa Bay, if only because I'm not 100% sold on Jameis Winston yet. I do think he's going to be good. I think he's playing a lot better than he did in Tampa Bay because he's not on track for 30 interceptions. And that really helps a team when your quarterback isn't throwing 30 interceptions in a season. But I still I still like Tampa Bay here. I could definitely see the appeal uh, of both teams. When I first looked at it without looking at any uh, other research, I know we mentioned it quite a lot. Lineups.com does the most in-depth rankings and stats of overall offenses and defenses. I highly recommend any football fan check it out if they're curious about any of this stuff. When I looked at lineups, I actually didn't know that the Saints were the number two defense in the league. That was really, really impressive to me. They're just slightly behind the Bills. And kind of on paper, I almost like the Saints I almost like the Saints over the Bills in a lot of these categories. So I do think that the Saints defense is going to really uh, slow down this Bucks offense. And I do think that the Saints offense is years ahead of uh, where the Bears offense was. So this is definitely going to be a game. It's just a matter of who wins the, the kind of almost 50-50 that I would say is right here. Because this game, it should be a close yeah, I definitely don't agree with that. I think this one will be a pretty close, competitive, good quality game. It'll be a lot of fun, too, because obviously, like we've said in this segment, this is a game that matters in terms of the division. The Buccaneers may have a game on the Saints right now, but if, this, if the Saints can get this one uh, you know, by making the Buccaneers lose, they would obviously take the lead in the NFC South. I think it would be really interesting that by the transitive property, the Panthers rolled the Saints, uh, and then the Saints beat the Buccaneers. Does that make the Panthers better than the Buccaneers? Uh, no, you're crazy if you think that. You're probably a delusional Panthers fan like me uh, who just really wants that to happen. Uh, but let's move to the final segment talk and get these people out of here and prepped for the football weekend. Let's do a quick little model talk. Uh, Tony, what do you want to do today on model? Well, let's look at one, I guess, one team that I think we're all curious, or one game we're all curious about. What does the model think on that Bucks saints game? 
So yeah, the Bucks Saints game it currently has Tampa Bay as a sixty three percent chance of victory uh, to a thirty seven percent chance of victory for the Saints. That makes it about three point five points in favor of the Buccaneers. They're that three point five favorite. So uh, uh, the Buccaneers aren't going to beat the spread in the models prediction. And again, that is one that I think we could actually see tighten as we get closer to kickoff. Uh, one thing I tell people, I, I have a few people who come to me for picks and model, uh, you know, based off the model, and I tell them pretty frequently, hey. This will change when we get to Sunday. When we're an hour out and the inactives get released, games are going to change pretty quickly. Either you know one team is going to see a huge advantage or the game is really going to shrink really close. Because of the nature of how injured the Buccaneers are, unless you're on IR, I have you currently counting for your team. If you are uh, you know, if you're a questionable and you go to out and you're a major piece, you could really shrink that. We could actually see the model even take the Saints in this one. So I think you're right that it'll be a close and good one. Uh, you know, and it'll be a really interesting. Okay. And then I guess on the flip side of that, uh, I would want to see where the model sits on like dolphins at bills, uh, Rams at Texans. Those are both ones that Vegas has as very, very wide spreads to some. Yeah, absolutely. Those games are not going to be close at all. According to the model again, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's really still early, but the model has Buffalo and the Rams beating the spread in each game. Okay, good to know, good to know. And the Giants-Chiefs, this is the last one that I can think of. Giants at Chiefs, this is an interesting one for me to pick. How close does uh, this have, does the model have this game going? Vegas has it as a nine point, uh, I believe, between, as a, a nine point for the Chiefs. Uh, I think it's going to be closer than that. Does the Yeah, it absolutely does. Now, it depends on your criterion, right? Because we saw so many key pieces of that Giants offense being injured. If you factor those guys in, the model has this one practically being a toss-up, if you can believe it. It's 41% chance of victory for the Giants, uh, and then 59% for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a two-point favorite, so it would have the Giants covering and the Giants making it and actually a very uncomfortable game if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't actually disagree with that take. That was my take uh, you know, when we talked about this game on kickoff. Well, awesome. I see we have Chase as one of our listeners. Big bet, and man, that could be a that could be a crazy one to bring to your podcast. <laughs> Chase, Giants are going to cover against the Chiefs. Always oh, calling in. Let's see what he has to say. Always oh, calling. <laughs> all right, all hey, right, guys. Chase. Let's see it. No, I appreciate the shout out. Um, I, I don't know if you're able to listen to my show, but uh, that's it's. I had I don't know what to say on this game. I honestly like. I think I'm going to go with the model. I think I have to go with the model now. <laughs> yeah no i i did tune into your show for a little bit um and i you know i think this is one you could probably add i don't know how your your uh your co-host would react to the take of giants covering against the chiefs and, and keep in mind um even without the key offensive pieces that the giants were missing the model still has the giants covering although it's a little bit more like a touchdown win for the chiefs as opposed to a field goal win so do, which which result are you more inclined to believe are you inclined to believe the chiefs win by a touchdown or more like the Chiefs win by a field goal. I I, I think they do win. I, I just, there's still so much institutional, like, know-how. I know this Chiefs team is, like, a nightmare right now, but it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey. Like, they get it right, at least against a Giants team that, like, I don't know what, they're like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, and I just, I can't trust it. I don't know. The NFL kills yeah. me. That's I've I been burned about. by the Chiefs too many times. I'm right there with yeah. you, Chase. We I talked about it in the last show that we just did. I'm I'm getting bad about when I think about the Chiefs. I can't think about them objectively. I always think of like, oh, it's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis <laughs> Kelsey. Of course, they're going to pull it out, and then they just they keep disappointing me. So I have to get better about looking at the Chiefs as a team this year and stop thinking about the past. It's ho- it's so hard. I mean, this is where Vegas makes all their money, just preying on on us with like, oh, it's the Chiefs, but like they secretly have like all these MIT dudes like running uh, every simulation that that tells them that. Like, <laughs> 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 I mean, at the very least, they get they get the action. But Vegas, I mean, for the most part, they still like the Chiefs a lot in this game. So I may have to go with Tom's model. Yeah, no, this one, this is just so crazy. Even from an X's and O's case, like, I don't know if I can actually comfortably defend picking the Chiefs here, which again, like, we're going to keep saying it because it's just truly so crazy. It just doesn't make sense that a team that has been in now 
two Super Bowls, back-to-back years, has been in the, the AFC Championship three times as a five-time winner of the AFC West. They may not beat the Giants, and we and people had these people in it's the crazy. Super Bowl. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's football's truly fascinating. Yeah, and Danny Dimes is, I think, the biggest boom-bust quarterback we have. I think that's official now. Like his basement is like below the center of the earth, but his ceiling is like that of like the <laughs> top 15, 10 to fifteen quarterback. Is is that right to say? I don't know. Uh, uh, he. This season has not turned the ball over. So if you want to say like from from that perspective that he's boom or bust, I think he's actually improving to be a bit more of a boom. He also he also had like the catch of the season for a quarterback uh, a few weeks ago. And you know, he has he has five fumbles, so that's obviously something that's going against him, but he does have those two rushing touchdowns and he only has four interceptions. So he's actually playing I think at a pretty good level. So I think that <laughs> We may have all laughed at the pick, but the Giants may actually be a good football team, which feels incredibly weird to say out loud. Yeah, and I mean, they're getting healthier, right? I mean, is Saquon playing this weekend? Do we know definitively? Yeah, so that, like I said, that's kind of the wild card of all of this is that they're all currently listed as questionable on ESPN's uh, depth chart tracker for the Giants. You know, as soon as that information breaks, that is going to be a, a huge game changer. But like Saquon Barkley, questionable. Kenny Galladay, questionable. Sterling Shepard, questionable. Kadarius Tony, questionable. Evan Ingram, questionable. Like that's their offense. <laughs> that's their- <laughs> they should just list offense. May or may not suit up. Yeah, they could just like uh, they'll just kneel for four straight plays and kick it away. <laughs> I'd I'd almost be inclined to take the Giants here if they were healthy, honestly. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. If the Giants were healthy, I think I'd I think if the Giants were healthy, that spread would not be ten points, which is so crazy to think about. Then thinking if you would have told me in the preseason that I'd be taking the Giants over the Chiefs when both teams are fully healthy, I would have laughed. At I'd you. laugh at yeah. you, Chase. Yeah, Chase, no, I gotta weird. I gotta know. Watching the did you watch the game last night? I so I caught like the oh, beginning, you caught the beginning and the end. It was kind of a did weird you, one. Did you have any thoughts on when you were looking at the beginning of the game? Was it like unexpected? No, because I've come any bet that I love and I loved the Cardinals. I, I, everything <laughs> lined up perfectly. It was like under a touchdown. Oh, like Green Bay, their whole offense is going to be hurt. It was like everything lined up and then crushed me. <laughs> yeah, that that tends to happen. I also made the mistake of picking the Cardinals. I honestly, Tom did a better job of picking it uh, this game than I did. He picked the uh, Packers to cover. I didn't. I picked the, I thought the Cardinals were going to blow the Packers out this game. It was just so hurt. So I can't be mad at you for that. Cause I did the same thing, but it was, in a, it was a crazy game. I was, my parents were right above me trying to sleep. So I couldn't be yelling too much, but I wish I could. <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah, I just Thursday is so wacky. I know we say that it's like a cliche, but like you, you can you can never really tell what team shows up. And Cliff maybe just he's a, he's not the coach that you want on a short week. I think you you need the extra days to come up with a better package. But who knows? It was just kind of a schedule loss for them. They need, it needed to happen. Yeah, no, I mean uh, in the off season, actually, Tony and I did a preview of every single game ever in the in this schedule. And we actually, I think we probably got this right in the off season, which I think it, it's funny that it was. I think we did because uh, I didn't. It, I think I don't oh, think wow. I had the Cardinals being just. Yeah, we did that. That's on Spotify. We broke down. <laughs> we gave record predictions for every team, and I'm sure most of them are bad. But you know, oh, they're okay. going to age terribly. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> yeah, but Chase, if you want to look back at one of our good takes, AFC West deep dive, 19 minutes 40 seconds to 22 minutes 30 seconds. We nailed where the Chiefs are right now. I got to throw that out there. Wow. I love that. I got, yeah, I'm going to check that out. You guys are just all bearish on the Chiefs. <laughs> well, we, yeah, I know yeah, Tom had a that. great Tom, – Tom, do you have the tweet? Uh, I don't have it on me right now, but I can, I can go find it if you want. If you can find it right now, you got to tell Chase what you said because it was on point. It was from like a year ago. It was it – was awesome. uh, Yeah, give me a <laughs> second. I, I've, I spend too much time on Twitter. I don't remember where it is. Uh, let me see. Uh, st- oh, here it is. I found it. Um, so I, I, I sent this out. Seattle, cheap rookie quarterback, good defensive core with decent offensive weapons, wins a Super Bowl, loses a Super Bowl, pays quarterback, team declines. Chiefs, 
cheap quarterback, good offensive core, decent defense, wins one Super Bowl, loses one Super Bowl, pays quarterback, dot, dot, dot. Um, and <laughs> it's honestly that it's the date so on that crazy. is March. The date on that honestly, is March 11th of this year. So I feel kind of really good about that. <laughs> I'm waiting for the smart team that just does like the quarterback churn, like every four years drafts another guy. Like you'd have to really rely on your scouting department, but like if you can pay the rest of your roster and then get someone decent there, I feel like it's a model for winning at least like 10 games a year. I could be way off. The 49ers did it. I'm waiting for the quarterback that comes in and kind of takes the humble approach of not trying to get so much money. Like we saw it. I mean, it works with Brady. And <laughs> I was going to say you know, that happened. He has already. Giselle making. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he doesn't count because he has Giselle name, making more money than he ever wanted an NFL contract. So <laughs> I don't count that one as much because it's a lot easier for him to say, no, keep your money. I have Giselle over here making, you know, however much she makes. But I, I just want to see one guy. I, I think we're starting to get to the point where like, we're getting to kind of like the cap like, you know, quote unquote cap of how these teams can really do. And these teams are just going to start going, if you want to win, you're going to have to take 10 million less than the number one guy over here, but you're probably going to get more rings because of it. I'm waiting to see these guys come in and actually take. I mean, it's a gamble, but there's a good shot. It pays off. And the funny thing is the chiefs, that money hasn't kicked in that yet. The Patrick Mahomes contract, I don't think has started to hurt the cap. I could be off base there, but I feel like they had some money to play with. Not as much as it's going to. It's it's it, a little yeah, bit, exactly. It's, it's okay. gonna hurt a whole lot more later on. Well, so let me is, find this like, is this is about as good as it's gonna get for the next ten years. Yeah, let me find those scary. numbers because I, I have a website that, that tells you. So yeah, um his cap number, you know, money counted against the cap, it's seven million, where you know in the past it's up from from very from being very cheap money. Obviously, I think it's next year that it, he counts for $35 million against the cap, which is just mm-hmm. going to be astronomically insane. So I don't think that – I think this was kind of the last window for the Chiefs to win. When I when I sent that tweet out, I was not counting this year. It ages really well because, because, you know, because of this year. But I was waiting for like the next year or two when you're paying him for almost $40 million. It's yeah. I mean, it's going to get really bleak and he, I mean, he'll be able to do a lot with that. I don't, not bad, but like, I think their formula of drafting just a very, very cheap. Sorry, I have a little bit of commotion. (laughs) The formula of drafting a very cheap speed receiver will always work. Like you're going to be able to find the Pringles. You're going to be able to find the Robinsons in the draft. So you don't have to spend too much capital there. It's just the defensive side of the football. You're just going to be so hamstrung. Oh, yeah, it's, by- it's the defense that's going to suffer 100%. I mean, uh, for not this season. This season, he only accounts for 4% of the cap, which is kind of crazy. Next season, it's 16.9% of the cap. And after that, it's 21% of the cap. Um, I was reading a book, basically, that, that one of the chapters detailed on how to build and construct a roster. It argued that your top three players should constitute no more than 30% of your salary cap. If Patrick Mahomes is currently going to cost 20% of your salary cap, and that's just your first top player, imagine the, you know, the other two guys, that's a huge problem. So I think that the, the Chiefs, I don't know if you want to say they've mismanaged the Patrick Mahomes contract, but it certainly does not look like a very good contract at the moment. I think that'll be kind yeah. of interesting to talk about in further length. Is Was that contract a bad contract? And we're starting to kind of see that um, if Mahomes, unless Mahomes is ahead and unless uh, they're up, you know, two or three touchdowns, he's not very good at playing hero ball where he truly has to do everything for this team. He doesn't have a run game. Uh, I know I've said it a couple times. I've seen it on Twitter a bunch of times now. Mahomes is now playing Aaron Rodgers ball where he doesn't have a defense, doesn't really have a run game for years and years and years, and he truly has to do everything. And Mahomes so far looks like he's struggling to hold up to that. So he could be making $500 million, but maybe that would only pay off if he has a defense to go with it. And now you can't do that because you just paid this guy $500 million. It's crazy. And the biggest disappointment I have to say is like they went and put real capital on this offensive line and it's got beaten up it's gotten beaten up every week and like you have to look at like orlando brown you're like was that really a good idea i mean joe tooney's been fine but like 
some of the other pieces, it's just like, it sucks when you do spend the money. I'm an Angels fan, not to bring in a baseball analogy, but like, oh, Angels you, are you so- stole my take. Dang it. <laughs> Sorry. The Angels are the worst because they actually spend a lot of money. Artie Moreno is always willing to write big checks, but it, it's like, it always results in these like third and fourth place in the division's um, records. And you're just like, I'd feel better if we were like, oh, we can't, we can't outbid the Yankees or can't outbid the Red Sox or the Dodgers. But it's like, no, we, we do. We just bid on the fucking worst players. Sorry to curse. But, um, <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's wrap this one up. Tony, I want to give you one last matchup. Do you want to make it what I think is uh, one of the more surprising takes from the model? Ooh, what would that be? I don't, I don't even know what the model's thinking right now. Uh, it has the Colts over the Titans. Oh, that one, right. Yeah, What is there a reason for that? Because I honestly think the Titans are going to kind of steam here a little bit. Yeah, so I would just say right now, looking at it, it's because the Titans have more players who are on the IR, like more damaging players. I believe they have uh, two of their starting cornerbacks there on the IR, and then they have a linebacker, one of their starting linebackers who's on the IR. So they just suffer a lot of injuries, and the Colts are actually the healthier team by comparison if you're looking at IR. Uh, it could be one that, that, that shifts as we get closer. I think it will because it's, you know, it's at 50%. So every single injury is going to be, need to be accounted for, but I think it's just uh, a matter of injury. Cool. Okay. Well, good to know. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Uh, obviously on call it. We, you know, thanks for joining us. We look forward to being with you next week. Thank you, guys. See ya.